Hey guys, what's going on? Calron back with part two of um, Warrior Cultures and Fighting. And we're just going to get right into it, guys. So, the, um, what did I do? I did three back then or two? It's been a couple of days. So, we're going to start talking about samurai. Start this episode off. Um, <clears throat> and why they were so awesome. So, samurai are warriors of Japan. And they reigned for about 700 years. Um... 1185 to 1868 so they were dominant for a long time and there's many reasons as to why they were dominant and many things that we could take from them um so they went they underwent intense physical training from a very young age and they practiced practice was everything of them um so you already see the the intense discipline they had it's like the mongols they were skilled not only in swordsmanship but, you know, they were also uh, extremely adept in archery, hand-to-hand -hand combat, and grappling. They had martial arts as judo, jiu-jitsu, karate, uh, kendo. And these all influenced the samurai style. So these guys, they were the real deal. And as you see a lot in media today uh, and how samurai depicted, you know, kind of that, that zen be one with all warrior who just spends all his time practicing. And I feel like that's basically what fighters are like today. Well, not all of them, but, you know, one fighter that comes to mind is um, Yuri Prohaska. And he models his fighting career off the Book of Five Rings, which was written by a samurai back around during this time. And the Book of Five Rings is basically... um a discipline of life to follow and basically have no attachments. Don't be attached to anything and just practice, practice, practice to sum it up. It's a phenomenal book. I do recommend it. Um, and that's how Yuri Prochaska, he's this, uh, fights in light heavyweight in the UFC. He was the current champion and pulled out for an injury. That's besides the point. So yeah, that, um, that idea, that lifestyle of just being so dedicated to your craft day in, day out. You know, these guys would be practicing moves over and over and over and over and over again until they felt like, you know, they couldn't get it wrong. And there was a there's a beautiful quote, I know, where it's um what is it? Losers practice until they get it right winners practice until they can't get it wrong something along those lines um and these were that was basically the samurai lifestyle um they all a big thing that aided them too was the visualization training they did um they were taught so there's there's uh few there's a, a few other things you know they were so their way with the sword, you know, as part of the military training, they were taught to sleep with their sword under their right arm. So <laughs> if someone attacked them in the middle of the night and their left was cut off, they could still fight with the right. Um, even with like their discipline is insane, guys. I mean, there's some tales that, you know, the samurai that would turn around and toss up in their bed. Um their officers would have two knives placed on either side of their pillow. So they have to stay stationary. Um, 
and even going more into that, just on how much they, how important they viewed um, their discipline and their sword. In the beginning era of samurai battles, they were highly ritualized affairs um, with a whole bunch of formalities. And you kind of, you basically, basically like a Shakespearean drama, I'll be honest. The way, you know, uh, two armies would meet up. One guy would come out, announce his name, sheath his sword. He would wait for the other guy to come up, announce his name, sheath his sword. And they were also list their whatever achievements they have and then fire whistling arrow just up um which is insane it's like oh hey my name's my name you know i just think that's funny to me because you imagine you're going to fight and you guys they treat it more like a sport than anything but all is that all of that go to show and they ended up having to um they ended up having to adapt from that because when the Mongols invaded, um, when the Mongols invaded Japan and they stormed the beaches for the first wave, the Je- the Japanese actually got destroyed. So the warriors came out, you know, introduced themselves, and the Mongols just fired a volley of arrows and killed like the first first line of men, and then stormed the beaches and, and still won. Um, and they took a devastating loss. So with that loss, after that. You know, the samurai were able to adapt, um, overcome, and you know, change up how they uh, how they executed warfare in order to become better dominant in order to stave off the Mongol forces, which I think is really awesome. Because um, like I love I love adaptability, and I love um, you gotta be able to learn from your mistakes in life. So them being able to right, not everyone's going to have that honor that we have. Let's toss it aside. Let's mix these bulls. I just think that's awesome. So, yeah. So, going back to the Zen um, and just the visualization that I was talking about earlier, it was a big part of their training as well. I have an excerpt here. Um, Zen training also renders the warriors free from troubling frailties of the mind, such as fear and rash ambition, qualities lethal in mortal combat. He is focused entirely on his opponent's openings and when an opportunity to strike presents itself, he requires no deliberation. His sword and body act automatically. The discipline of meditation and the mind-dissolving paradoxes of the cone become instruments to forge a fearless, automatic, mindless instrument of still to death. Also, I correct both these faults. The Zen monks who served as advisors to the Hojo insisted that military training, particularly archery and swordsmanship, be formalized using the techniques of Zen discipline. A system of training was hastily begun in which the samurai were conditioned psychologically as well as physically for battle. It proved so successful that it became a permanent part of Japanese mental tactics. Um... And this also helped them. There's another excerpt. One of the Mongols' major weapons had been the fear they inspired in those they approached. But fear of death is the last concern of a samurai, whose mind has been disciplined by Zen exercises. Thus the Mongols were robbed of their most potent offensive weapon, a point driven home when a group of Mongol envoys appearing after the first invasion to offer terms were summarily beheaded. 
And what is this Zen training they were doing? Basically, um, strict visualization. And this goes into, I don't know if you guys have watched Dragon Ball Ultra Instinct or even go to Bruce Lee in that flow state he refers to. And basically what this flow state is, is being so focused on your goal, having nothing else in your mind at the time that when you're executing that action, you don't have to even think about it. It all comes naturally. And this is where that discipline of practicing day in and day out goes into because they believe in, in with flow state in the Zen is, excuse me, you practice so much for different scenarios or like a, you practice a sword strike a thousand times and practice a block a thousand times and however many times it takes. So when you get into that battle, when you get into a position where you need to use it, you're not even thinking, even even push to your most extremes, your body is able to react and and uh, adjust accordingly to its own. Just by you focusing, being completely present in that moment, you know, focused on your breathing, focusing on what your opponent's doing, his slight movements, and just being prepared. This this comes with being prepared in your practice, you know. You can't um you cannot be reach flow state or or have a state of zen if you don't put that work in beforehand you know and there's little things that you can do yeah but it it gets more in force the more practice you have the easier you'll be able to get it off and a lot of athletes practice this i know lebron james has talked about this um a lot of fighters talk about this. Sugar Ray Leonard, Floyd Mayweather, um, John Jones. Uh, definitely, I forgot the name, but I know football athletes have gone through this too. And it's a very um, meditative state when you're practicing. But this doesn't just have to be uh, physically as well. Um, me, myself, personally, I'm an artist. So I know that I'll get in this Zen state. Um just being able to focus on that task at hand and hours seem to pass and you're just letting just letting that energy of what you want to create just flow through your your pen strokes um so it's a it's a variable thing and everyone has their own different way of entering it um but like i said the samurai were very dedicated to this process so then you utilizing it to the actual uh their app utmost potential is what made these guys so effective. I mean, they were around for 700 years, very adaptable, uh, very strict, very disciplined warriors. And they were just actually awesome. I mean, who doesn't like samurai? I'm more of a ninjas guy myself, but come on, come on. Like come on, samurai plus like the Oni mask and the demon horns coming out. is just awesome. The next, so that's what made the samurai. Um, as phenomenal as they were. The next war culture I want to talk about are the Romans. Romans, a little bit less of a warrior culture, but they were so, so successful. One of the greatest empires of all time, right next to the Mongols. These guys, you know, they were around for a thousand years. And the Romans, you know, they were located in northern, their empire stretched from northern Africa to East and West Europe, and they had the entire Mediterranean basin. 
um, covered as well. Their empire was huge. And contrary to popular belief, a lot of the Roman military were part-time civilians. Um, and they would end up leaving their farms, leaving their work, and go to serve in whatever campaign was present at the time. Um, the Romans actually also had the first full-time paid army, which um, definitely could be an incentive for all those, all those citizens joining as well. So, excuse me. We know that the Romans were highly, highly um, an intelligent people, very civilized, and very disciplined because of this. They, their discipline was phenomenal, and um, it's one of their strengths that they brought on, you know. Um, and it also was a hindrance early on. So the early form, uh, the early parts of the Roman Empire were based on uh, early Greek phalanx, and a phalanx is basically just a, just rows and rows and rows of soldiers, but it's basically like one box on the battlefield. It's a tight tight defensive structure um you know you got your spears out you got your shields up normally hard to get into and it was early 390 bc and the Celt, uh, the celtic warriors this is a bunch of barbarians um and they weren't as civilized and weren't as militarized they attacked with numbers and in waves and they were very disorganized and they decimated rome completely decimated rome and this phalanx they had um, it, it got so bad, the Romans had to pay them to leave, which is, I think is insane. You have to pay your, you have to pay off your enemy to leave. Like, geez. But with this came adaptability. They became so versatile after this, after these losses that they took from the Celts. That Greek phalanx I was just telling you about, they split off into multiple. So basically what the Romans did was they had a bunch of unit leaders and unit subleaders. Every single person on the Roman army was um, educated on tactics uh, and different scenarios in battle. And with these unit and unit subleaders, this phalanx, this one square box, was able to be broken up into multiple different sections and units in a battlefield and still have complete cohesion with the with the general on the battlefield, which for at this point in time where you didn't really have phones or, or wiretap to communicate with people and you know how crazy a battlefield can get, it was a revolutionary at the time, completely revolutionary at the time because they were able to split up, take on different situations, may, not, not, not even necessarily being able to contact their general and still being able to be just as effective as if they were one unit. Absolutely awesome decimated decimated i mean we seen how much rome was conquering back then no one could really no one could hold a torch to these guys at all and this is one of the reasons that multiple formations they were using so like i said highly organized highly disciplined and their equipment was highly versatile they um you know they could fight long range they would love throwing um they would love throwing their spears they had short range swords and it's funny because Rome Rome is one of the only civilizations I talked about that the soldiers weren't really trained from a young age for war. These guys usually came on 
only had about four months of training and prepping their bodies to get ready. And a lot of them would learn on the job. Excuse me. They um they would learn during campaigns. Um they would learn during campaigns during war, essentially. And but Rome was in so many wars at the time, these guys could have one, two campaigns, maybe eight years, and come back a complete veteran. Come back a complete veteran just from from all the smoke that Rome wanted, which I think is awesome. Um and also these guys were like I said, very discipline was a big thing. So every the day in day out training would just be doing drill formations, unit formations, repeating the same orders. Um, these guys would hike at least 10, 20 miles a day, just back and forth with all their armor on. You know, so these guys are in shape. You guys are in shape, disciplined. They all were extremely educated um, in warfare and very adaptable. Rome was one of the richest um, empires at the time, uh, which allowed them to have vast resources, which is another thing that a lot of nations couldn't just couldn't compete with. On top of um, on top of just their military being like this as well, where Rome was located, it was in this um, mountain region, the Apennine Mountains. So it was very difficult to even get inside Rome. On and these mountains were on either side too. So you could only imagine you you have your entire army hike through these mountains, hike through these valleys just to get to Rome, and you're you're in a dogfight for your life. These guys were awesome. And you can take that um, you can take that highly highly disciplined approach uh, to to your life. You know, being knowing, um, like I said, you just you see some of the same things with all these guys. The adaptability, learning from their mistakes, um, knowing what what's the best method to use and what scenario. You know, being able to utilize everything you have at your disposal. I think there's very valuable lessons here. Um, with the Romans, with the Romans, just, just an amazing group of people. Um, you haven't really seen, um, an empire like them since, um, be honest. And, um, so yeah, the Romans, Romans were awesome for that. And I think it was truly their discipline. That was the biggest factor. Um, even with their fall, a lot of, you know, a lot of militaries, you, you could break them off, split them up, or you'll, you know, there'd be a, a, a panic when they're losing a war. Rome would no one to retreat, no one to hit on full force. No, they would take the hard, they would take the longer, more difficult path to surprise their enemies. These guys are warriors through and through. I excuse if you hear my dog right now. So the last, and, and certainly not least, these guys are my favorite. I think they're pretty much everyone's favorite. They're a staple of warrior cultures itself, the, the icon everyone looks up to. And, of course, those are the Spartans. What's not to talk about Spartans? Everything that I have discussed in these last two episodes, the Spartans have. 100%. They were fierce, um, fierce warriors. Mentally, they were just different you're talking about um him energy <laughs> the, the spartans were it the spartans were him I'm telling you um so they lasted from 900 bc to three uh 371 bc 
they were in the southeastern Peloponnesian region of Greece. And I mean, what stories haven't you guys here uh, heard? You know, uh, the Spartans were combing every single newbred, newborn, um, to, to see if they had any physical ailments, see if they were in good shape. And the ones that weren't in good shape, you know, there's a story of they would just chuck them off a mountain. Well, which I've found out wasn't really to be true, but they would just leave the the sickly newborns out in the forest, leave them to death. Um, sometimes some some uh, other Spartan citizens would would see these babies walking down the forest and pick them up and might raise them, but most of the time they just left these guys to die. You know, very strict. And these um the boys would grow up with their families until about the age of seven. And they went through a crucible until they were like they wouldn't become they wouldn't even be able to be separated from um the army until thirty years old when they became their own citizen. So from seven to thirty, your life was all about war. So you can only imagine the kind of the kind of um ferocity these guys had in battle. I mean, they were grown up from seven constantly left out in the wild to hundred to hunt and gather for themselves. Uh, they were encouraged to not wear any sandals to toughen their feet up. These guys were also encouraged to steal um, in their own communities. And the only, and, you know, cause they would be going, they'd be so hungry. It was a thing, you know, Spartan, they wanted, um, the Spartans wanted their soldiers to not be, you know, well-fed. They wanted them to, to have that hunger pain to give them more of an edge. And they were encouraged to steal, um, you know, and if they got caught stolen, you know, they get lashes, which is crazy. It's like, oh, we want, we want y'all, you know, you take that apple if you want, but you know, don't let me catch you. Like they wanted these guys to be cold for a reason. Um, and, you know, it was the same thing. These guys had amazing discipline. Um, it was a lot of unit cohesion that they focused on, just like the Rome, the Romans. So knowing how to work with your brother, these guys had more of the original phalanx um, method that they used. Uh, and they were trained in everything, too. They were trained an individual. It says an individual Spartan soldier was worth 10 men. These guys are very trained, extensively in hand-to-hand combat, um, close combat with swords, not different, different knives. They obviously had the bronze shield, archery which they didn't focus on as much, um, but they were excellent, excellent um, spear throwers. These guys traversed the land. They hiked for miles and miles. And obviously they had all that, that um, you know, terrain, terrain training, be able to navigate on their own if need be. These guys are just the real deal. And, uh, you know, let's talk, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Everyone's you know, everyone knows the 300 Spartans versus the Persian story, right? Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't just 300 Spartans. They did have a thousand, um, I think it was Athenians with them at the time, give or take. Near the end of the war, though, these two days that they held the Persians off, which, first of all, can we talk about the fact, again, adaptability, versatility, High, high IQ to be able to, all right, their army is 10 times bigger than us. What are we going to do? Let's go into this little mountain pass and funnel them through. They literally just let the Persian army funnel through this tiny little area and, and just kill them off one by one. 
one by one. And they did this for two days straight, day and night, just stacking the bodies, slaying Persians day and night. They were absolutely breaking, you know, there's there's accounts of them breaking um the Persians' morale during these two days. They were just like, how is this possible? Excuse me. Um, I just think these guys are in, insane. And like I said, near the end of the war is when they, you know, Leonidas, he went up to the, the extra uh, warriors they had. And he was like, you guys need to leave and defend your home. We'll handle this. And a lot of them did leave. Some of them managed to stay with the Spartans. And then you know how it went. They ended up dying and sacrificing their lives. But these guys, these guys wanted smoke, man. They were the smoke warriors. That's what that's what the Spartans are. Um, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna read some of my favorite quotes. Some of my favorite quotes just from from uh, Spartans at the time. This one was a big one. He who sweats more in training bleeds less in war, and they live by that. They live by that. You've seen how. Just from 7 to 30, they're training constantly getting ready for everything is war to them. Everything is war to them. They would rejoice more during wartime than peacetime. So that was a big thing. And, and seeing the biggest, so before I get into these quotes, the biggest thing from the Spartans to take away their mentality for war, their mentality for life, I think it is the biggest thing that you can learn and take from these guys that, uh, uh, that, they want to overcome that challenge. They welcome it because they know that nothing I face is greater than than what I went through or the person I am. I just think that's I think that's an awesome lifestyle to have. I think it's an awesome mentality to have. So let's get into it. As Philip II of Macedon was conquering Greek city-states left and right, Sparta was left alone. Philip had achieved a crushing victory and Sparta was relatively weak and without walls. Philip sent a message to the Spartans saying, If I invade Laconia, you will be destroyed, never to rise again. Do you know what the Spartans replied? The Spartans replied with one word. If. If. They said, please, try me. Philip eventually decided to bypass Sparta as it was a poor region and not worth the fight. Neither Philip nor Alexander attacked the Spartans while they ruled. Isn't that ridiculous? That is actually crazy. They said, we welcome the smoke. And he, and he oh, you know what? I don't want to conquer Sparta because they're just poor region. They're not worth it. What? That should be easy work then if your army's really like that. Should it not? There, there's no casualty loss for you. What Philip the second really knew was it'd be too it'd be it wouldn't be worth the effort. I mean these guys and, and these guys were they knew they had their back to the wall, they didn't care. Heteritis reports that just before the Battle of Thermopylae, a Spartan warrior named Dionysus was told that the Persian archers could blank out the sun with their arrows. He replied, Good, then we shall have our battle in the shade. They just don't, they just don't care. They just don't care. He's like, okay. Oh man, I'm, I'm supposed to be scared. Like, no, bro. And like I said, the other episode, just having that, I feel like mentally you need to be strong. You need to be. And mentally you, your fortress should be absolutely 
um, undefeatable. The only person who could beat you is you. And the Spartans definitely lived by that. They got that, man. And no one could get inside these guys' heads. No matter what the odds were, no matter what the outcomes were, you could call it naivety. You could call it um, insanity. But at the end of the day, i rather, if, if that's the case, I'd rather, you know, be unbelievable, be insane, than be on the other end of that. You know, that's for damn sure. So, yeah, guys. Do I want to read this one? You know what? Why not? As he permitted the citizens to engage only in that kind of athletic contest in which the arm is not held up, somebody inquired what was the reason. Plutarch replied, so that no one, so that not one of the citizens shall get in the habit of crying quits in the midst of a hard struggle. He didn't want to have the citizens participate in rewarding events just so people don't get mad when they don't get one it's like little it's little things like that it's all in the little things and the spartans lived by that they lived war through every single one of their actions um like i said the spartans romans the samurais these guys were highly disciplined highly versatile adaptable um and just attacked life with a a, a different kind of intensity um, and I just believe, so just a little review, all the cultures we went over, um, they, I picked those personally because they exemplified my definition of a warrior. So that's the episode guys. Hope you guys enjoyed the next episode. We're going to be going over the warrior ethos by Steven Pressfield. And I see you guys on the next one. Peace.